podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, happy Thursday morning. Welcome to the TMBA pod. Now, the core belief of this show is that creating a small business is the key to finding financial freedom for you and your family. And that's what we're going to talk about today because it can be complicated. Before we do that, one question for you. All right. Gotten a couple letters. Not going to say from who, but (laughs) we've definitely gotten a couple letters. I'm not liking the direction this is going right now. Here's the thing that's in question. The word pod. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, it was called a podcast. (laughs) I think that's the original name. And then at some point, you started throwing around pod. And since you started throwing around pod, I think some people have started to get a little bit concerned. Like, where did this thing come from? It's a grading term. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to be cool now. Hey, man, you listen to the pod? (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it came about, though. I think this is a term that is gaining some cultural currency. Interesting. And who else is using this term? I think because podcasts are, they're just mainstream now. They're becoming mainstream. I don't know. There was this period of time where people weren't sure, is it a show? Is it is it radio? Should we not mention that it's a podcast because no one knows what those things are? And now that like people are like, yeah, I listen to podcasts, I think people just shorten it. And now they're like, I'm dropping a pod on Thursday. <laughs> Do you have to be like in an urban environment to shorten it? Or is it like, come on, man. I'm telling you, people are saying it. You got to get out there and talk to people about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just think I need to just start practicing saying pod. How about we have a vote? You know, people can come to this pod's post and they can say what term they prefer to use. I like it. For now, we can call it the TNBA podcast. So I appreciate the feedback. You know what? I'm going to start saying pod around town, you know, and I'm going to see where it gets me. Look, you know what? I don't recommend it given the kind of treatment I'm likely to face in the future. It's thanks to this. (laughs) Let's loop back to this one, Ian. I'm excited about this one. I think this is a really challenging issue we're going to talk about today, and we're going to talk about it with one of my favorite all-time guests, someone we've known and worked with starting eight years ago. So we have a We've known today's guest for quite some time. Here's one of the biggest challenges I think entrepreneurs face, Ian, is when you're in a corporate role or an academic role, there's a lot of narratives that you can use to justify your actions and to keep you dedicated to the path. People say things like, you know, if you go to school and get a degree in X, you know, marketing, you're going to get a job in marketing. So that's why you go do that. That's why you take a loan. That's why you invest four years of your life. But the reality is I think people that have taken that path know that's generally not how things work out. People's careers don't often go the way that they thought they were going to go. But the narrative, the narrative was so strong that it kept them on the path. It's the same thing is true with entrepreneurs. People say things like, I'm going to start my own company and like make a million bucks. Well, it, like it might not go that way for you, you know, but that narrative is important. And I think narratives and approaches to entrepreneurship that we're going to talk about today. And there's three key ones. You know, even if things don't work out the way you planned, it's important to have those narratives to keep you on the path, right? And I think that there's just 
less of those narratives in the entrepreneurship world. In fact, one of the most popular memes I can think of is like, start a business, question mark, question mark, question mark, profit, you know? <laughs> but it's true because like the way that your business is going to work is, is probably not going to be the way that the person whose story you heard their business worked. You're going to have to do it your own way. And most of the people listening to this show aren't buying Subway franchises. Well, hopefully none of them are. You know, I think that that's a, a fine <laughs> thing to do in certain situations. But a lot of these people are developing and growing their businesses in the unknown. And like you said, having a script sometimes helps. Yeah, absolutely. So today's guest is David Hehamberger, and he's been on this podcast before, but I want to give a little bit of the backstory. So we started working with David as a TMBA intern way back in 2010, at the time we hired him for his technical skills and his SEO chops. So using the skills he learned during his apprenticeship, he struck out on his own in 2014. And his journey has had a lot of ups and downs that he's had to navigate through that uncertainty that we all face. He started out as a consultant offering search engine optimization services. But he decided, and this was the topic of our last podcast, Ian, that services weren't for him, that he was going to have to step back from that and start a product if he wanted to have a scalable business. The resulting company was Fat Cat Apps, and he offered WordPress plugins that help people get more traffic and conversions on their WordPress websites. I really thought David would be the perfect person to riff with about some various entrepreneurial approaches or scripts, as we call them, that have gathered some currency in our community and that help people stick to the path when things can be uncertain. And in today's episode, those three approaches are going to be the stair-step approach coined by Rob Walling from Startups for the Rest of Us. The second will be the thousand-day principle, which was coined here on this show, not to toot our own horns, boss man, but... So we got pod and we got the thousand day principle or are we not taking responsibility for the term pod? This pod is like a mint. We are just coining terms left and right, my friend. <laughs> we'll take credit for anything we could get. <laughs> I'm not going to live this down, am I? <laughs> the third approach and first up in this episode is the vitamin versus aspirin way of looking at your product when you're starting a business. So just to explain it, a vitamin business is, it's like a vitamin in the pharmacy, right? Which is something that's good for you, but you don't really know that you need it, or it's not a pressing need. While aspirin, on the flip side, it's something that you have a headache and you want to solve it right now. What usually happens is, for an aspirin business, your customer might go to Google, or maybe they go to Amazon, or some kind of search engine, and they search for the specific problem or pain point that they're having. And a vitamin business is something that, again, might be good for them, but you might not know that it's good for them and you have to educate them first. So what it boils down to is that it's just much harder to sell a vitamin than an aspirin. And essentially that education costs a lot. Exactly. And so if you're early on in your entrepreneurial career, or if you're on one of the first stair steps, which we're going to get to in a second, basically earlier on in the game, going aspirin is a lot better than going vitamin. Exactly. In our case, you know, you were a part of our business way back in the day when we used to sell cat furniture, which was a vitamin business. Mm. And we sold valet podiums, which was an aspirin business. 
And the interesting thing is like vitamins are so much sexier to people. And when people would come to me for advice with my business, they would always give me advice about the cat furniture. They would never give me advice about the aspirin. They would always say, you could do this and you could do that. And the problem is all those big ideas, they're expensive marketing campaigns, essentially. Let's talk about the stair-step approach. Mm -hmm. So that's a concept that Rob Orling came up with. And what he saw with his following and people that were trying to build software businesses is that they basically tried to go from zero to hero. They wanted to, they had a job or they were consultants and they wanted to build a product business. But instead of doing a small win, easy win first, they went straight to trying to build this super complicated with no experience. And what he saw is that a lot of people just got stuck and failed. So his advice is to start small. So the first step of the stair step would be a product that is very much a aspirin it's something that people search for it's a small product it's if you want the software it's a single feature app or maybe it's a product that you sell on amazon something that you can tap into some single traffic source it's a one-time purchase it's not a subscription so it's much easier to sell and you build up a bit of revenue from there he calls the first stair step a single traffic channel what does that mean to you yeah, so that means that you just focus on one traffic source. So that could be you say that I'm only going to focus on SEO or I'm going to build a WordPress plugin. That's what I did. And I'm only going to focus on using the WordPress repository as a source of traffic. I know that there's I could get affiliates and I could do content marketing and I could do all kinds of stuff, but I'm just going to focus on one traffic source and I'm going to try to make this work. It's essentially like tweaking the traffic source is the business opportunity itself in a first step business. And it's kind of the cheapest way to get started is his theory. The problem with these first step businesses, have you noticed any problems with them? Well, they're usually not going to be that big. And that's where I think the second step comes in, which is the advice of doing more of what you did in the first step, meaning you launch a couple of different products or something like that so that you build up a bigger income source. I guess one of the problems of the step one businesses is that often their multiple channels won't be accessible. The business itself is that one marketing channel, basically. Right. If in the case of Fat Cat apps, then you're like, okay, well, now we have a process for building apps and marketing through the WordPress repository. Now we have five. Right. And then eventually, basically, you're cash flowing your education. So the cool thing about the entrepreneurial sort of trajectory is that you get paid to earn the knowledge. And if you continue to progress, eventually you get to that top level, the stair step. Which is recurring revenue, which is the holy grail in any business model, really. The holy grail is to have loyal customers that pay, have a high lifetime value and continue to come back. And in Rob's case, he was able to exit his business for life-changing money because it was so appealing to a larger company. So that's the top of the podium of the stair step approach. <laughs> now I want to jump in here and point out that David it turns out, is living proof of our second theory. Because, you know, Ian, when you have a theory, it's pretty easy to spot examples that justify your, your quality thinking. <laughs> yeah. Our theory is that it will take you a thousand days or around three years of that full-time effort in order to get you to the point where you're earning near the salary you were earning in your professional career from a business that you've created. It's good to remember this in those early, often dark days when you're wondering whether you're going to make a breakthrough. So as of today, David has a team of four 
and he's making low to mid six figures in annual recurring income. And it has indeed taken him 1,300 days to achieve it. And it wasn't all smooth sailing. Windmill, windmill for the land, forever hand in hand. So let's get started with sort of pre-day zero. I think one of the things that the thousand day principle doesn't really like capture is that there's a lot of things that happen before day zero, which is that first moment that you create revenue from your own product. What was that first year like for you, October 2012? So I just had stopped working for you guys and started a SEO freelance consulting business. I recall that you didn't really like doing that that much. Why? I made more money while working less than I did for you guys, but in some ways working for you was better. Because? It was the kind of service business that you hear about that is not good, as in it's not a productized service. There's like insane workouts because there's all these workload massively changes month over month based on if you gain and lose any clients. It's just like overworked and stressed. And yeah, it was like everything you always hear about a service business that you shouldn't do. That's kind of what I was doing. So what did you decide to do about it? So I got pretty close to burning out actually. And like I went to Cambodia for two weeks and I had a little bit of time to think for myself. And I was listening to Rob's podcast at the time, hearing him talk about the stair-step approach and before I got into SEO and internet marketing, I spent some time in school programming. I'm not an amazing programmer, but I do understand it. And I figured, why don't I just try to build one of those phase one on the stair step businesses, which is a WordPress plugin. I had an idea for a WordPress plugin already based on my own need, which was a pricing table generator, basically. I was trying to productize my SEO business. I did a shitty job at it, but I did put some pricing packages on my website and I just saw that all of the tools for doing that were just absolutely terrible. So I did a little bit of SEO keyword research as well, which was something that I knew well. And I saw that there was some market opportunity to build a nice, easy to use pricing table plugin. Pricing tables are basically those things. How do you describe them for people that can't see? You see it on a lot of websites, but Basically, it's when you've got these packages and maybe you've got a bronze, silver, and gold package. And that's an easy way to increase your revenue if you're not doing that just by adding more expensive pricing plans. Why does it work, by the way? Why would people want a pricing table? If you add more expensive pricing plans, even if you don't sell much of the more expensive plans, you're just price anchoring the cheaper plan. And in relation to that, the cheaper plan now looks much more attractive and more people are going to buy it. But most likely, and this is something I saw in my own business as well, is... If you can come up with extra stuff to add to the more expensive plan, some people are going to buy the more expensive plan. You can basically show everybody all the value, right? And it's really easy to make a buying decision when you look at these things. Exactly. So I just sat down in my spare time besides the consulting and just started coding on building this WordPress plugin. What do you do with your clients while you're... Because this is one of the hardest things that people with services business have, the challenge. They can't find time to build the product. All right. I didn't fire any clients, but also I just stopped completely looking for new work and new clients. And I think there was like two or three clients left on retainer that I worked for, didn't take up my entire week, and I had spare time to build the product on the side. Sort of scary though, yeah? Yeah, it was. Did you ever get close to running out of money? Yeah, a couple of times. How do you deal with that? I mean, do you go get more clients? Do you phone home? I mean, what's your, what's the strategy? I didn't quite get to the point where I ran out of money. 
there was like a, a month or so at some point in between where I didn't have an income at all. But then I, I just focused on finishing this WordPress plugin and launching it and then, you know, see what happens. So what happened when you launched? I launched my free plugin. So this is a freemium business model. So that means you give away a free product. Think of Evernote or I think Evernote, probably most listeners will have heard of that. It's a note-taking app for your iPhone and your computer. And they've got a free plan and you can do most of the stuff with the free product. But if you want certain features such as being able to view your notes when you're offline, when you're traveling or stuff like that, then you can pay them a couple bucks to unlock these extra features. So you decided to take the same model with your plugins. Exactly. Do you remember when you started making sales, your, that revenue that you made? So that was January of... 2013? Yes, exactly. So do you remember what that first revenue felt like? It was amazing. So I had this free plugin in the repository and I saw it got some positive feedback but in a couple of downloads here and there. But it was very hard to know how successful the paid version is going to be, right? So I remember this day where I launched a paid product and I started to put ads into my free product for the paid version and immediately made a bunch of sales and I think made like a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks in the first month, which was just absolutely amazing. I did not expect that. If you ship small parcels in your business via FedEx or UPS, I've got an easy, no-brainer way for you to increase the profitability in your business. You need to check out today's sponsor, Refund Retriever. Here's the thing. FedEx and UPS both offer a full refund if they don't deliver your packages to your customers on time. But the reality is, is they're not going to automatically give those refunds to you. So it becomes a clerical problem, a headache, and so most of us don't bother following up with them. And that's where Refund Retriever comes in. It's a service that audits your invoices for late deliveries and other billing mistakes that you frankly don't have the time to notice. And here's the best part. You're only going to pay Refund Retriever when they find actual savings that they're making for you. That's right. Refund Retriever liaises directly with FedEx and UPS so you don't have to get involved. It's basically free money. If you're shipping small parcel packages, you got to check out today's sponsor, Refund Retriever. In October 2014, and we'll just call it on day 333, just ballpark it, till one year in, you came on this podcast, and at the time, your revenue was mid to low four figures. Basically, it's enough for me to have like a basic, decent lifestyle in Southeast Asia and also employ one full-time programmer in Vietnam and one part-time guy in Morocco. So how did it feel to be one year in to this new little product business? It was really amazing, all these years of reading and listening and meeting people that had successful online businesses, I finally felt like I've actually done it. I've, this is not the end goal, but I shipped a product that I can sell without spending time on, and it's making enough money to pay for my life. What do you think were the key inflection points of that year? Like, you know, you were at step one in the stair-step approach. You were at day 333, one year into this three-year process of the thousand-day principle. You were selling aspirin, how are you going to take it to that next level, the stair step? So the first thing I did is I got this Vietnamese full-time developer and 
I also had him to support. And I think that was really big because before that, I didn't make a massive number of sales, but there was enough sales that every morning I would have to like open my laptop, log into Gmail and, you know, spend anywhere from a few minutes to maybe if it was a bad day, a few hours, just replying to emails and answering questions and providing technical support. So that was a really important, I think, first step in being able to grow this business. And I, I still see this today that we see friends and people in our community and they run successful businesses and they're still doing support themselves. And I just absolutely don't understand it. So when you freed up your time from support, how did that affect the business? Affected it insofar that I was now able to have a clearer mind and think about what to do next, uh, plan out new products, plan out new features, and really work on the business and move things forward. The second step of the stair-step approach would be to develop multiple one-channel products. Did you end up doing that? Exactly. So I moved forward with another product called OptinCat. It's a email opt-in, pop-up, two-step opt-in, WordPress plugin, and I moved forward. Let's fast forward then to October 2015. You're on stair step number two. You're at 666 days of the thousand day principle. This is traditionally sort of the moment where we would call it the dip. You know, that first year, you see $1,500 come in and you're like, this is the greatest moment of my whole life. Right. You're working, you're hiring people, you're trying to learn how to manage. And then a year later, you're thinking, $1,500 isn't going to cut it. <laughs> right. And the dip is sort of like, man, I, I'm really got to figure out how to run this business. So what was day 666 like you, October 2015? Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I think when you go through this process, everything just moves so slowly. And from the day-to-day grind, it barely looks like you're making progress. But usually when you do step back year over year, you actually see massive improvements. In terms of how things look like, at around day 600. So at that point, I had launched a second product. Revenue went up nicely with that. I both got rid of my part-time guy and my cheap full-time guy and replaced them with one very expensive but very capable full-time developer. And trying to get through to this last level, the recurring sales subscriptions, I started to work on a software as a service app. That is this Merchant Metrics Amazon Seller Dashboard. How do you say it again? Merchant metrics. Merchant metrics, okay. This is when the quality of your networking started to change. Yeah, so I got the idea for, I'm not an Amazon seller, but I do have a lot of friends and even my brother sells on Amazon. But I was at this conference two and a half years ago and I ended up sitting next to a couple Amazon sellers on the table and they all complained about how it was very difficult to get stats for your Amazon business and thought there might be something there, some product for me to build and also rented by my friend Travis, co-founder. So this is Travis Jameson? Yep. Talked to him about this and he thought it's a good idea and we made like some loose plans to do some kind of collaboration once I launched this product. So to sum up, you're at step two, year two. You are launching multiple one-channel products. You are up-leveling your staff. So you're reinvesting. Yes. What percentage of your profits would you say at this moment you're reinvesting into your company? At that moment, actually, so I had both a full-time developer from Romania, and I had also just hired a really good programmer from the U.S. part-time to keep working on the WordPress plugins to make sure that business moves forward. So depending on the month, like I spent anywhere from 
probably 60, 70% of my revenue just on like those two people. So really like I did not make that much money personally, but I thought of it as a long-term investment for the future. This is absolutely how people describe the middle of the thousand day period is that you are paying other people more than you're paying yourself. Now going to conferences changes a little bit too when you're at day 666. All of a sudden you walk into a conference where you have development resources, where you have revenue, cash flow, like the way you interact with people and the opportunities that you're exposed to are different than when you show up and you're like, hey, I'm SEO consultant or I'm just getting started. I'm looking to meet new people. So one thing I did realize is the value of building a network. And this doesn't mean being, you know, like the cheesy, I think you like to joke about this realistic guy that you used to meet in San Diego or something. You don't have to be a cheesy guy, you know, pushing your business card on everybody. But networking certainly is a multiplier. And most of the good stuff that happened to me in my business is thanks to the relationships and the network that I built. All right, then let's move on to step three. October 2016, a thousand days. The thousand day principle states that you will replace a professional income with your own business. So in other words, you're not paying other people as much as you're paying yourself anymore. Did that end up being the case for you? Depended on the month. So some months, yes, and some months, no. (laughs) So maybe call it the 1300 day principle. (laughs) To be fair, at that point, I also had my American US-based developer go full-time and it's just a significant expense for me. And So again, you're up-leveling your team. Yes. So there were definitely months where I paid him more than me, but most months at that point, I made more than he did. Now to return to the point that David had just mentioned about how moving up the stair step gave him a different status and a different connection with other entrepreneurs sort of changed the mechanics or the value he can have when he's interacting with other entrepreneurs or people that can make a difference. We left that story off at our DCX event in Prague with Travis Jameson and his team at AMZ Tracker showing an interest in David building a product that would help them track Amazon seller analytics more clearly. I had a product. It wasn't exactly finished in terms of what my vision for it was, but it was working and the guys from AMZ Tracker liked it. And they figured this could be a useful product for them to own too. So they decided to acquire a majority stake in it. And it wasn't like an insane exit by any means, but it was maybe how much you pay for a cheap house in a cheap area of the US. (laughs) That's roughly how much I made from it. Keep in mind at that point, I I had no money in the bank. So this was very much a life-changing. So it sort of gave you that savings cushion or that retirement savings. Plus then you also have the revenue from that thousand day third step business that you're building. Yeah. So in the meantime, on the WordPress plugin business, we just kept launching new products and actually hired a US-based support guy as well. So again, just like reinvesting, making sure products keep improving, our support keeps improving and seeing it as a long-term investment. October, 2017, day 1300, you sold the remaining shares. So you could be the owner of two proud cheap homes in the United States. Was it the same price that you sold each... It was a bit more, which was kind of to be expected. Very meaningful for me personally. was able to go through this six figures in the bank threshold, which was just a big game changer for me personally. If we would have had this conversation back on day 333, would it have been believable to you the way things ended up? I don't know. 
I think I definitely had my fair share of, you know, hopes, aspirations and goals that it, I did not reach. But at the same time, if we would go back to this podcast that we recorded three years ago and yeah, you would have told me where I'm at right now, I would have been very happy. That's for sure. But that's not the end of the story. Because having moved up through a number of stair steps, David now has his eye on the next level. He recently launched a new business called LandingCube.com, harnessing his experience of building WordPress plugins with the knowledge he gained of the Amazon ecosystem while he was working with AMZ Tracker. I switched all my WordPress plugins to subscriptions just a couple of months ago. But the other thing is I still wanted to take this experience that I had working on Amazon-related software so when some of my friends reached out to me and they were like, hey, like, why don't you build some landing page tool for Amazon? It just seemed like a perfect fit because it was kind of like a combination of those two areas. And the other part of it, of course, is like the monthly subscription. So now this is another step at subscription revenue, which really, that was the goal all along. That was the goal four years ago when I started with this. Right, the holy grail. Yeah. The final step. Yep. The top of Rob Walling's podium. <laughs> It's hard for everybody to predict the way things happen because the way the corporate narrative is structured is so linear. And that's not really the way that this entrepreneurship happens. Even though even like our narrative, like the stair step and the thousand, we're trying to like create these kind of handrails because it is so strange the way things come about when you don't go to the same office every day and when you do move around and meet people and there's so many opportunities. You're a relatively young guy from a relatively traditional country yeah 28 from austria and i think it's fair to say you you live this location independent lifestyle pretty much to the fullest in the sense that you're always moving around you have a home base but you like go for months at a time to new places whether it's for conferences for work just for fun what do people make of it when you try to describe it to them back home maybe people that took a different path i noticed that and maybe you've noticed this too but most people they're not at all like that interested i'm just now that maybe this whole nomad thing is becoming more of a thing just for the last few months i've had for the first time in a long time like friends or acquaintances from back home like reach out to me and be like hey like how could i possibly go about doing this what's the advice i think when you're going through this process there's so much uncertainty and stuff just keeps taking forever and i think it's important that if you want to do this and if you're still in a job in a cubicle i think it's just important you get started and you keep moving in that direction i've met hundreds of people that live this location independent lifestyle and run successful businesses and i think very few of them are really like anything special like we're not super smart or working 80 hour work weeks or anything crazy like that we're just all like normal people very cool david i would never call you a normal person <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us on the Tropical MBA podcast. Thank you. Big thanks to David Heehenberger for coming back to the show and sharing how his journey is going for him. Hope it inspires you guys out there who are dealing with some of the question marks along your journey. Every stop, boss man, we're still dealing with question marks is what entrepreneurs do, I think. This one's going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash three scripts. We'd love to hear your comments and go there and check out all the links, everything mentioned in this app. Fun fact, behind the scenes of the pod, so to speak, 
David was the original editor of this show. I think he edited like episodes maybe like 21 through 50 or something. That's my guess. The earlier incarnation of the pod. Yeah, if you work for us in the early days, it's like you did a little SEO, you edited the podcast. Yeah, that was back when it was a podcast, by the way. Yeah, you did a lot of things. And, you know, David and I used to wear tank tops together. I saw him last time, I think I saw him was in a swanky bar in New York, and he was wearing boat shoes. So a lot has changed. I want to come back to a theme we talk about a lot on this show, because part of what David said there, the last bit, reminded me that yeah, you can have all these theories. And like, I think Rob Walling's stair-step approach has been an, an enormous contribution to you know small business thinking and how we can create lifestyle businesses, essentially. But there's no substitute for making like this path a little bit more legible and a little bit more understanding to meeting people who are on it. I was just talking to a friend at dinner last night who had some questions about his career, as, as we all do. And that was like my default advice. It's like, you got to get out of this chair and stop talking to me. You got to go talk to the people who are doing it, you know? And when you meet the people, things can come to life and you can start to ask yourself how you can be a part of that journey. 100%. And I think that that's true with everything, man. For sure. It's not just business. It's like, hey, I'm interested in getting into this sport. I'm interested in pursuing this passion. It's like number one requirement is talk to people that are doing it. And you used to have to, but now you can sit on the internet and you can like yeah. pick away at it, you know? <laughs> yep. So yeah, I love that. The old school. And it's simple, boss man. There's not too much to understand. Just get out of the computer chair. Try to meet some legit people who are doing the types of things that you're looking to do in your own life. Love that. Again, if you want to comment on this episode, uh, let us know about some things that have been helpful to you and your entrepreneurial journey. We'll be posting this podcast at tropicalmba.com slash three scripts. And of course, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.